Um, Jay's gone. He's supposed to introduce me again. Well, uh, two opportunities we gave him today. And oh, Jay, would you like to introduce me now? All right. <laughs> so um, this is a unique Sunday. Um, it's a, it's a Sunday where we celebrate. It's a Sunday where we remember. Um, a lot of you probably were like me, where um, parents, grandparents served in the military um, that, that gave their lives or a, a significant portion of their lives for um, protecting us and fighting for freedom and those kind of things. So, um, so Memorial Day, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful day that, that we actually just stop all around the country this weekend where we remember, we remember those that, that are serving us and that are honoring us and that are, that are serving a bigger cause. And so um, it's unique in that sense. Um, and, and from, a, from a, a Christian perspective, from a biblical perspective, um, it's another chance that we get to remember. And, and in a way where, where we remember what God has done for us and who he has empowered us to be. And so the, the courage that he has given us, and all, I, I, one, of my, one of my favorite verses in the Bible is in Psalm 78, says the men of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned back in the day of battle. So the thing that they were, they were created to do, they, they lived their lives learning, the, the men of Ephraim learning to be warriors, war, and specific types of warriors, warriors with bows, and, and though armed with bows for the day, they turned back in the day of battle, and you read down below that, and you understand why. They, they, they forgot God's covenant, they didn't keep his law, and they, and they turned their back, and they forgot on the wonders that God had shown them. And in essence, they forgot to remember. They forgot to remember what God had done for them and how powerful he was and what he had shown them in their lives and how that changed things, how this relationship with God changed things with them. And they forgot that. And the thing that they were built to do, armed with bows for the day of battle, they actually turned back in the day of battle. They turned away from the thing that they were born, built, and destined to do. Why? Because they forgot what God had shown them. The wonders that he had revealed to them. They forgot to keep his law. They refused to keep his covenant. And so on days to remember, days like this, it's a lifestyle for us. And I love moments like this that remind us it's a lifestyle. That every day, we don't ever want to be like the men of Ephraim who turn our our backs on what we were born, built, destined to be because we forgot who God created us to be and the wonders he had shown us. It's also a unique day because actually on on this weekend, we we celebrate Memorial Weekend, and it's also Pentecost Sunday. And so it's, it's all over the world Christians are celebrating, they are remembering the outpouring of the Spirit of God in Jerusalem all those years ago. That they have stopped and they have taken this day and they're using it to remember how God kept his promise and he poured out his spirit on all of us. I love to refer to this day like this is no excuse Sunday. I mean, we, we have too many, we, we can line up too many excuses in our lives. I got an excuse for this. Well, I can't do this. I can't do this. But this is no excuse Sunday. And it kind of just applies to every single day in our lives because Jesus, I mean, just the, the essence of who Jesus is, he left us with zero excuses. 
We don't get to use any excuses. Well, Jesus, um, we, we know that you invited us to come follow you. And in those simple three words, you invited us to come be exactly like you. Well, in theory, that sounds great, Lord. That sounds fantastic. But you're Jesus, and I'm just me. I'm little old me, and you're Jesus. You're the Son of God. Of course, you can do all those things. Of course, you can do all the things that we read about. Of course, you can change regions and change the world. Of course, you can do that because you're the Son of God. But it's the same Jesus that Paul wrote about, said, listen, all of us, me and you, should have the attitude of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to actually be grasped. And the picture is that in Jesus' divinity, it's like he knew about his divinity, but it's like he set it aside on a shelf. He could have grasped it any time, but instead he chose to show us what, what a life looks like empowered by and walking with the Holy Spirit. And he showed that to us and revealed that to us while he had his divinity here, something that he could grasp any time that he wanted, but he didn't, to show us a life and to model something for us and then to tell us, you go do the same. Come follow me. And it's not so much that you think that you can be like him. It's in a crazy way. He thinks that you can be like him. And he showed us. He showed us what that life looks like. Walking in step with the Holy Spirit, being filled with and empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he left us with no excuses. Pentecost proved that. They waited around and said, listen, we don't know if we can do everything that you've told us. Essentially, Jesus, you told us to change the world, go to make disciples of all nations. And all just is one of those really easy words. It just means all, every single nation out there all the time, not excluding anything. You told us to basically go change the world. That seems like an impossible task. And he says, oh, don't worry about that. Just wait around. Wait around in Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. Pentecost, the Holy Spirit descends. And the world changes forever from that point on. And from that point on, you and I, those of us that say we are Jesus believers, we're going to follow Jesus, we have dedicated, we have committed our lives to following him, we are spirit-filled believers, have zero excuses to be like him. In every situation, everywhere we go, all the time. I love that he simplified it for us. He said, there's going to be a bunch of excuses that you can buy into out there. But congratulations, I've left you with zero. Well, Jesus, it was your divinity. Ah, too bad. I was 100% human. Yes, I was 100% God here, but I walked this life as 100% human, filled with and powered by the same Holy Spirit that I went to the Father to send back to you so that you could walk as I walk, that you could say the things that I said. In this lifetime, not just the next, right now, in 2015, you and I get to be Jesus everywhere that we go, and we are left with zero excuses. It sounds kind of discouraging, but I love it. I think it's really encouraging. (laughs) That he just lines things up for us so perfectly. You have zero excuses. Now go change the world. Go change the world. Just like you were commissioned, just like I commissioned those 12, and, and, then, and then commissioned every single one of you after that, just go change the world. Because I'm inside of you. You have it within you to see transformation everywhere you go. And so part of that 
I believe when, when Paul talks about the kingdom in, in Romans 14, he said, Look, listen, the kingdom of God, it's not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And, and the thing that I want us to concentrate on this morning, on Pentecost Sunday, when, when just like Christians around the world are celebrating this outpouring of the Holy Spirit, I want us to hone in on this idea of kingdom joy. Kingdom joy found in the Holy Spirit. It's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So there's this connection between the Holy Spirit and with joy. In Acts chapter 13, the disciples had gone through some tough things, but it said they were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. In Galatians 5, we know that one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self control. Oh, oh, yeah, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> but joy, joy, it's part of being spirit filled. And a lot, we, lo- we like to break those things up and say, well, I've got this one, but I don't have this one. I have this one, but I don't have this one. And joy, it may come one day, but I don't know about that. Well, listen, all of them are supposed to characterize our lives as spirit filled believers. Every, it's, it's just the fruit that oozes out of our lives. It's, just, it's not just, well, this one for this and this for this. No, it's joy is supposed to be who we are. It's supposed to be a marker of who we are as Christians. In Psalm chapter 5, in verse 11, It says, but let all who take refuge in you be glad, be full of joy, be joyful. Let them ever sing for joy. Spread your protection over them that those who love your name. Now here's, here's where, those who love your name. And if I asked us in here, how many of us say, we love the name of Jesus, we love the name of our Lord, we love His name, and almost all of our hands, hopefully, would go up. Yes, that is us. We love the name of the Lord. So, that those who love your name may rejoice, may be full of joy, so full of joy that it actually just bubbles up out of them. They may rejoice in you. See, David knew this way back when. That those who attach the name name of the Lord to themselves and say, this is going to be my life. This is what my life will be about. Those who love the name of the Lord, being joyful should mark your life. Being so full of joy should be something that, that people outside of these walls, they say, I don't know what's wrong with those Christians. I don't know what's wrong with those Jesus followers. I don't know what's wrong with those believers. But they sure are joyful. The problem is, <laughs> how many times have we heard that? Not, not much. Not often enough. I had this dream three years ago. And before any of you like go, uh-oh, oh no, got a, a dreamer here. Now, <laughs> I, don't, I don't normally have dreams, that, and certainly not dreams that mean anything to me. It's like, oh, okay. Um, I bought a cat in this dream, and I don't like cats much. I, no offense to those of you who, who love cats. I like that cat. I like Spider. Spider's a good cat. Yeah. Maybe it's because his name is Spider. Weird. <laughs> anyway, anyway, I had a dream three years ago. 
And um, it's like one of the maybe only significant dreams in my entire life. Uh, so for those of you that dream and like have like really neat dreams and dreams that actually mean something, oh, the Lord bless you. Um, but that's not me most of the time. Sometimes I wish it was, but uh, I, three years ago I had this dream. And in this dream, um, it's like I'm watching this whole scene and we're, we're at Disneyland and at Disneyland, people are riding all these rides and they're doing all of these fun things. I mean, they're, they're riding, specifically roller coasters stood up. Everybody's riding roller coasters, everybody's riding rides, they're playing games, they're doing all of these fun things. But every single person there, all the families that were there, all the families that are there with their, their, um, their, their mom and their dad, and they're, just, they're, they're all doing all these fun things, every single family there, their faces were completely expressionless. They were riding the roller coasters with their hands in their laps, like this. I mean, there were no like, no like, like you know, let's, let's make a cool, tough pose for the camera as we come down this roller coaster, like we're not scared at all. <laughs> hey, none of that. It was everybody was expressionless, completely expressionless, hands folded in their lap, riding the rides, doing all these fun things. The second that I woke up, the first conscious thought that came to my mind was two words. Joyless Christianity. Joyless Christianity. And in that moment, it was like the Lord revealed, he was, he was telling me, listen, this is how ridiculous it is for you as a believer to walk around and not to be overflowing with joy. It is like you're at an amusement park doing all of these fun things with your hands folded in your lap with no expression on your face at all. It's as ridiculous as that. Joyless Christianity. And the hard thing is, how often has that been the marker of our lives? How often have we sold out to solemnness and somberness in a way of saying, and there's nothing wrong with that, but in a way that we have gone so far in one direction that the world looks at us like we're in an amusement park saying that we have the greatest message in the world, the greatest message of hope, the greatest message of joy that the world will ever know, and we carry it with us everywhere we go, and they look at us, and it's like you guys are in an amusement park with your hands folded in your lap. How much work does that take while you're doing fun things to actually make your face like that? And it's as ridiculous as that. Joyless Christianity. See, the mark of a Christian, the mark of us, those of us that believe that, those, that we carry this extraordinary message, like the joy that we carry inside of us and, and the message that we carry inside of us, all of that has to match up because to the world, it's strange. It's weird. They look at us. They think, you should be happy. This doesn't make sense. You're telling me that you have the best message the world has to offer. The greatest message of hope, the greatest message of joy. And then you look like your hands are folded in your lap and you're somber, and you're solemn. And that's the only expression that I get out of you. See, Jesus didn't say for the solemnness, for the somberness set before me, he endured the shame of the cross, the scorn of the cross. He said, for the joy set before him, 
the joy set before him. What kind of vision did it take for Jesus to look at the joy set before him and to endure the shame and the scorn of the cross? What kind of vision, what kind of focus did that have on joy? Saying, I'm fixing to go through all of this, but I will choose to focus on the thing that I know that I have, joy. The thing that will mark my life, the thing that I will set my sights on, is joy. The joy set before him. He endured everything. He endured all of that. And he didn't say, I've spoken these things to you so that your solemnness and your somberness may be complete. I've said all of these things to you so that you can go on Pay your entrance into the amusement park. Fold your hands nicely in your lap. Head down, face expressionless. The thrill of a lifetime. In Acts chapter 8, it's one of my favorite stories of what joy and the gospel, this gospel of joy, does not to just a place, but to an actual physical region. And so in chapter 8, the disciples and everybody has just been scattered because Stephen has just been stoned. They've just taken Stephen, they've stoned him, they persecuted him, and the, and, the, and the church has essentially been scattered to all of these different regions around the area, Judea to Samaria. And so Philip is one of these guys, and he's in Samaria, starting in verse 4. So those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. Kind of had the opposite effect that I think that they meant for that to have. Because everybody that they scattered went and preached the word wherever they went. And so Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Christ there. Now listen to this. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the miraculous signs he did, they all paid close attention to what he said. With shrieks, evil spirits came out of many, and many paralytics and cripples were healed. So, there was great joy in that city. What happened? Philip went down, he preached, and he demonstrated the gospel of Jesus. He showed them what it was like, and he preached to them. that This is the gospel of the kingdom. Demons shrieked and left. Cripples were healed. Paralytics healed. They heeded his words, and there was great joy in the city. What would it be like if this was called Ruidosa, city of joy, for one reason? You live here. You exist in these city limits. That I exist in the city limits of grants. And that because I'm there, because there are people that are there with me, that believe, and that want to preach and demonstrate the gospel everywhere that we go, what would it be like if our cities in New Mexico in the north and in the south, 
were cities that were written about in the annals of history as cities of great joy. Because you're there, because I'm there. Because we carry this message inside of us. This extraordinary message. The gospel of Jesus. And our lifestyles and our actions match up with this extraordinary message. And our joy matches up with this extraordinary message that we carry. And that people would actually look at you and they would look at us. And they would say, that's a city full of joy. That's a city full of joy. And they can bring whatever they want into your city. But they don't get to change your city. Your city. Your city of great joy gets to transform and change them. What would that be like? I want to see that in my lifetime. I want to see that in our cities. I want to see that in our state. That we live in a place the land of enchantment. That when people come to visit us, all they have to do is cross our state line and know that they've entered into a place of great joy because we're here. Because we exist here. And we carry it with us everywhere we go. Paul had a lot to say about joy all through Romans. Uh, Philippians 4, I saw, was on here uh, earlier. Rejoice in the Lord always. If you didn't catch it the first time, again, I say rejoice. It's like, let me, let, me, let me give it to you here really quick, and you have no excuses. Like, if you didn't catch it in the first part, you can't blame it on short-term memory, anything like that. Rejoice in the Lord always. Well, I already forgot it. Okay, well, again, I'll say rejoice. Be full of joy. So full of joy that it just flows, that it bubbles up, that, it, that it's released from you everywhere that you go. Then in 1 Thessalonians, verses 5, and we'll kind of wind down with this right here. 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 16 through 18. So many of us have probably just committed this to memory, but I want us to really just just let it resonate with our hearts. Be joyful always. Be joyful always. Now, there's so many times in my life where being, being joyful always does not work. Can't work for me. Circumstances are too hard, they're too difficult. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances. Why? Because this. Is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And we look all through Scripture. Oh Lord, what is your will for my life? What's your will for my life? I just want to do your will. What's your will for my life? Be joyful. Always. Pray. Always. Give thanks. Always. I don't know what his will is for my life. There you go. There's three things. I want to do that. Okay, well then do it. Be joyful. Always. Pray always. Give thanks always. What I love about our Father, our perfect 
good father. Is that he would never tell us to do something. He hasn't already given us the capacity and the capability of doing. He hasn't already empowered us to live out. Be joyful always. Why? Because I'm with you. And you can. But Lord, I'm going through all of this. Well, it doesn't matter. You can still be joyful in the middle of it. You can pray all the time. You can give thanks in everything. Are you serious, Lord? Yes. It's my will for your life. You being full of joy is actually God's will for you. Isn't that amazing and wonderful? That you being full, and his idea of full is way different than I think our idea of full is. It's like, you know, I'm, I'm going to go fill up a ga- my gas tank, and when it gets to the end, well, then it's full. That's not with him. It's just like you keep the, you keep the gas running and let it keep rolling, overflowing, 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 never stopping. That's full for him. And what I love about him and how he has empowered us to live in this lifetime, just like Jesus, that we actually... that we actually get to be ambassadors from a superior kingdom into this one, from another place. We get to represent a higher reality into the current reality that we actually exist in, everywhere that we go. And from his world, there's just a never-ending supply of joy. It's like he can keep filling us up and filling us up and filling us up and we'll keep running over and running over and running over and we can keep giving it away and giving it away and giving it away and we'll never run out because he never runs out. Now we can be joyful always. And I'm not emotional because this this is sad. (laughs) But it's so good that every single reality that you find yourself in, that you can bring joy and life into that in a way that nothing else on this planet will ever have to offer. Just because you stepped into the room. Just because a Jesus follower, devoted, committed, filled with the Holy Spirit, walking with Him, walked into the room. It is the absolute privilege of a lifetime to live these lives that we have the chance, just the chance of living. And we get to do it every day, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of what's going on around us. So I'm going to invite you to stand. And then I'm going to pray for you. And here's what I want to do after. Joy is a weapon that we get to wield in this lifetime. It is an absolute weapon. It conquers depression. It conquers sorrow. It conquers anxiety. It conquers hopelessness. And how many of us have dealt with and battled with all of those things in our life at one point? Maybe all at the same time. But joy is a weapon that we get to wield in this lifetime. And he's left us with no excuses. 
Now, that may not be the reality in your life right now. But I'm here to tell you that it can be. That it can be. Why? Because it's his will for your life. He wouldn't will something for his children and then say, ha, good luck with that. You'll never get there. That whole joyful, full of joy thing. He's already, he has already created you with the capacity to live from his world into this one in a way that you get to express joy everywhere that you go. And not just joy, but a joy that conquers hopelessness, depression, anxiety, sorrow, you name it. You carry that with you. So in a minute I'm going to pray, and then we've got another song that we're going to sing after that. But here's what I want to do. If you need an infusion of joy this morning, then I want to pray for anybody who needs an infusion of joy. Because here's what I know. I have joy to give. And I know that I exist from a place that the joy that I give away, I don't ever have to worry about running out. I don't have to worry about, oh, well, just a little bit for you. Just a little bit. He is a good father, gives good gifts to his children. And you don't have to come pray with me for you to receive joy. He is ready to open up the floodgates of joy for you to march out into the city with. But if you need an infusion of joy this morning, I'm here to tell you that it is available. It's available to you. That he's a good father. And he wants to pour it out over your lives. That he actually wants it to mark your life as a spirit-filled believer. That everywhere that you go, people will say, that must be a Jesus follower right there. That must be a believer in Jesus right there. Because I cannot escape the joy coming from there. You represent a superior kingdom. You're an an ambassador of a superior realm into this one. Do not, do not bow to the principles and the things of this world. In his realm, our king has resources that never run dry for his sons and his daughters. So live like a son, not like an orphan. Embrace your identity as a son and a daughter of the king. Willing to share the resources of a limitless kingdom with everywhere, with everyone around you, with the world around you. There's joy available for this place, for you, for this city. So Father, give us strength and give us courage to run after you with great joy. Open our hearts to receive in these moments just this infusion of joy. This infusion of joy in our hearts, in our minds, in our souls, in our spirits that actually inoculates us from all the things that the world would try to shove on us 
All the depression, all the anxiety, all the overwhelming sorrow, all the hopelessness. Your joy is our strength. Give us courage. As we open our hearts to receive well from you this morning. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that I ask and that I bless and that we all pray. Amen. Amen. You are my strength when I am weak. You are the treasure that I seek.